Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. And with me today, JJ, Jennifer Wilson. Oh, it's great to be here. JJ, always good to see you. Thank you. And you know, I just have to tell you, JJ, I know you've heard me say this before, but <laughs> you make every room brighter. <laughs> Truly you do. Well, all right then. I mean, you just, you make me smile. Thanks well, for coming alongside and thanks for joining us on I'm Viewpoint sure it's today. all the gestures I make that no one on the radio can see. <laughs> if they could Hands only waving. see this. You know, when this becomes a television program, you are going to be a star, <laughs> I promise. We are so glad that you're here and not just because of what you bring to the table, but today because you are a graduate of a school in central Indiana, mm-hmm. which is this year celebrating its 100th birthday. It's called Anderson University. Yes. And Anderson University is related to our broadcast in that it was founded by the same people who breathe life into this radio show. Yes. And we are so thankful today on Viewpoint. We have the president of the university, and he has a story to tell. Let me tell you, it's not just any university president's story. It's riveting. In fact, I'd say it's probably different, and I want to say more exciting than any other oh, president I know. now you don't know. Stay with us. Our guest today is John Pistol. He is the fifth president of Anderson University, which is on the northeast side of the Indianapolis metro in a town called Anderson, Indiana. And John, thanks for coming to be with us today. We're so glad you're here. Jim, it's great to be here. JJ, good to see you. Thank you, you too. And uh, John is now the president of the university. He was once a student there. Yes, years ago. And uh, Who knows? It could happen to anyone. That's right. <laughs> that's what's scary, yes. <laughs> and your dad taught there. Was he on did. The faculty. I mean, you have a lot of roots there. But most of mm. your professional life was not spent at the university. Now, the university has a long and proud legacy, 100 years. Mm. It's a beautiful campus. Truly, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. It really a lot is. of Georgian architecture, some contemporary touches. Beautiful trees and with, valley. Oh, mm. I mean, it is, it's a great, great place. But you found yourself graduating from the university, going on to law school, mm-hmm. practicing law for a short time, but then getting into law enforcement. And that led you on to a completely different path, probably, than what you would have imagined growing up in the shadow of the campus. Where did it take you? Yeah, so it, it has been a, a journey that I did not set out to to, uh, to to go on other than I wanted to be a lawyer. And um, so after a year of practicing law, I just thought this is not what I want to do. And I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to be hired as an FBI agent um, in 1983. Well, FBI, you mean like Federal Bureau, Bureau of Investigation. That would be <laughs> that FBI, okay. Flat now, jackets, yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of stereotypes out there, a lot of <laughs> movies and shows. So I don't know what your listeners think of. Um, some may have some very positive, some maybe less so Every show positive. on prime time is what they're thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. So I was fortunate, uh, was sent to Minneapolis uh, for my first office of assignment and spent three winters there. We got there in January of one <laughs> wow. year. Well, so it was prime time there, but the, the Frozen Chosen embraced us, and <laughs> it was just a great uh, opportunity. I would work things such as human trafficking, wow. drug trafficking, and some corruption issues. It's the kind of thing where yeah. you would go to work one day, and then you have a meeting, and someone says, Agent Pistol, you're on the trafficking detail. Is that how it works? Or Yeah, so you're, each agent is assigned to a particular investigative group or squad is what they're called. And so, yes, for example, after that, I was transferred to New York City, and I was assigned to a joint organized crime task force investigating the mob, the Italian mafia. And that was with 
NYPD detectives. So that's why it's called a Joint Organized Crime oh, Task Force. Wow. Okay. So it's been about five years doing that. But it's not an elective. You didn't no, volunteer for it. You're, you're yeah, assigned to this. Right, John Grisham's going to hear this and <laughs> want to do a book. He's, yeah, he's written so much more <laughs> interesting things. But yeah. So, so, you, so you work on the organized crime yeah, unit, and then what? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, basically to get closer to one set of in-laws, because we'd had our first child while we were living. We've actually lived in New Jersey. Uh, I applied for a promotion to FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., to the organized crime section, so to oversee investigations around the country, really around the world. And after a while, that worked out. And so uh, we were able to be near my in-laws for several years. And then uh, it worked out to uh, apply for another promotion, which actually brought us back to the Midwest, to Indianapolis, where I was supervising a white-collar, cybercrime, civil rights uh, group of agents and some task force work, some corruption work also. But it also got us uh, by our second set of uh, <laughs> the, the other side of the family. Because we'd had our second child by this time. Okay. And so, yeah, the two of uh, my moves were pretty selfish <laughs> in terms of yeah, getting around family. Well, it had so, wonderful perks. Yeah, that's right. Well, and <laughs> that's right. I, I, not that Indianapolis would be a sleepy town without any crime to investigate. Oh, no. But no. I, you wouldn't imagine back home in Indiana as, as like the, America, the, the vortex <laughs> of the FBI's uh, focus on attention. And when we come back, I know that your career took some other turns. Mm, yes. And we'll talk about those. Yes. Stay with us. Jennifer Wilson, you're the original co-host with me here at Viewpoint, and during all of these years, have you ever been with us to the Holy Lands? I have not. Well, JJ, I want you to come with us next time because we're going to go again in January 2018. Why in January? At the front end of the month, we'll be in Bethlehem for the Orthodox Christmas Eve. And then we're going to walk through the streets of the old city of Jerusalem. We'll be on the Mount of Olives and overlook that city over which Jesus wept. Mm. We'll go to Galilee and you'll go out on a wooden boat framed like the one Jesus sailed on and you'll see the bowl of mountains upon which the lilies bloom like Solomon's glory. There's so much to experience, so many places to go. The scripture comes alive. JJ, come along with us. And everyone listening, we want you to join us. How do you get there? Check out our website, cbhviewpoint.org. Read all about it. Or give us a call, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, toll free. See you there. John Pistol is our guest. He is the president of Anderson University, not so far from Indianapolis. He, however, spent most of his adult career professionally in law enforcement and with the FBI. And uh, when we were just before the break, we were talking about you were in Indianapolis working for the FBI, Mm -hmm. working a white-collar crime unit, some Mm -hmm. uh, civil rights work, too. Mm -hmm. And then what happened? Well, then um, I grew restless, frankly, because we, my wife and I thought about staying here uh, in the Midwest. And frankly, after having worked in New York City and in Washington, I felt like I uh, was restless and, and wanted to do something more. I didn't know if it was a calling to do something more, but it just had a sense of I should be open to something. And so eventually my wife agreed, and so I, I was eventually named as the number two person in the Boston FBI office. 
and um, again had responsibility more so for cybercrime now as that was growing. This was in the late 90s, and then also white collar and some corruption issues and things like that. So did that for several years and had the opportunity to investigate, to help lead the investigation on uh, an air crash off the coast of Rhode Island, Egypt Air 990, on, actually on Halloween night. Oh, I remember that. 1999. Wow. And, um, so that was actually uh, preparing me, I think, for a future job as the head of TSA, the Transportation Security Administration. And so did that for several years, and then uh, right before 9-11 was signed to FBI headquarters on an inspection uh, staff going around the country and, and the world auditing and, and inspecting other offices. In D.C.? In Washington, D.C., right. And this is just before 9-11, and right. the world changed for everyone then, didn't it? It sure did. How did that impact you? Well, so the long story short is that I was eventually asked to join the newly growing uh, counterterrorism division of the FBI. Hmm. Um, and um, after several uh, invitations, I decided to say yes. <laughs> and so then I was put in charge of trying to ramp up to expand the division, the efforts, and all the while trying to make sure that, that no terrorist acts took place uh, as a follow-on to 9-11, because mm -hmm. that was the concern that there, that mm -hmm. was the first wave of attacks. And it was it, a sense of vulnerability, yes. exactly, uh, overwhelming. Exactly. Yes. And so, yes, yeah, so, so uh, that was in uh, 2002 that, that I began full-time there and ended up uh, becoming then the, the head of the counterterrorism division and the head of national security, which included counterintelligence, the spying type of things. And then in 2004, was named the deputy director, the number two person in the FBI, which I served for almost six years as. And then director of the TSA. Right. So then I received a call asking me if I would uh, consider serving as the head of the Transportation Security Administration. And my first thought, uh, I didn't say it, but I thought, well, now there's a thankless job. What, what <laughs> idiot would want to do that? How do I or annoy yes people in airports? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, TSA at that time had a terrible reputation. It was shortly after the Christmas Day underwear bomber, and so people were being patted down in very sure. uncomfortable Personal ways, ways yes. and things. And so I thought, well, I don't want to do that. But again, had a sense of, well, if this is a God thing, should I be open? Because for several years, uh, I had been praying uh, John Wesley's covenant prayer, I am no longer my own but thine, put me to what thou wilt, rank me with him without all these eight or nine different things about really a daily surrender to God and his will, not my will. And then also there's another covenant prayer by Renovare, an infrachurch organization, that starts off by saying, in utter dependence upon Jesus Christ as my ever-living Savior, teacher, Lord, and friend, I'll seek continual renewal through spiritual exercises, spiritual gifts, and acts of service. And yes. then goes on with six, mm -hmm. what's called common disciplines, where right. you can go deeper in your faith. So I'd been praying those, and then when I got this call, I thought, well, if this is a God thing, shouldn't I be open to that possibility? Even though professionally, I saw it as, as a disastrous choice to go from a prestigious agency, the FBI, and the number two position, the senior uh, person who's not appointed by the president, to really something that everybody loved to hate, frankly. Yes, back at that yeah. time, this is 2010, so yeah. Well, when we come back, I want to ask you about your spiritual sense in mm -hmm. all of that, because you have described, mm -hmm. honestly, an amazing, almost Hollywood-like ascent mm. through the ranks mm -hmm. of some of the most disciplined mm. and difficult assignments on the planet, mm. and yet noble callings by the measure of some, and mm. yet despised by others. 
you've been through so much there and now find yourself in a new chair, quite unlike those, and yet in some ways quite the same. We'll be right back. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the Our guest has uh, seen a lifetime of drama. I don't think he's a very dramatic personality himself in the sense that you're always calm, cool, and collected as a good FBI man should be. But the world in which you've walked has been filled with crises Mm. and difficulties. Number two at the FBI, head of the TSA, uh, national security, counterintelligence. Mm. I mean, you're a guy who would meet with Presidents George W. Bush and Mm. President Obama during their terms in your roles, uh, working on some of the most... uh, 
I'd say sobering mm-hmm. uh, fronts of uh, modern time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, President Trump not too and, long and ago. And not long ago, uh, mm-hmm. President Trump was uh, engaging you in the office to mm-hmm. talk about what the future might hold. And mm-hmm. and John, as you as you look back over that part of your life, mm. you have shared that you were praying. You're always praying mm. about, Lord, what shall I do? Do you actually believe that those assignments were part of of God's calling in your life? Mm. And that your contribution, let's say, at the TSA was a spiritual work, not just a legal one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Because I did not aspire to, well, the the last three jobs that I've had. um, And it was something that it was only because I think God was opening doors in ways that I could have never seen that um, he then equipped me with with the strength and discernment. hopefully the wisdom, Mm -hmm. to say yes to the possibility and then completely at peace with whatever worked out. So the key for me and and my wife was if we discern this is a calling, whatever that means, uh, if it's from God, then uh, our job is to be obedient to say yes to the possibility and then whatever happens, Mm -hmm. be at peace about that. And, And we felt that in every situation. And having assumed those roles, did you find yourself at moments struggling with what my job has asked me to do was in conflict with my faith allegiance? Not so much that, but just the sheer magnitude and seriousness of the work about, I mean, the job of the FBI after 9-11 changed on September 12th to that of preventing the next terrorist attack in the U.S. and collecting and sharing information in lawful ways to make sure that the privacy and civil liberties of of Americans were protected, but at the same time, we're doing everything humanly possible to protect them from making sure another 9-11 didn't happen. So for your younger listeners, 9-11 is just something in the history books like Pearl Harbor or the Civil War or something. (laughs) Well, for anybody over 25 or clearly 30, then it's just a visceral thing, and it's, it's hard to describe what that was like and the demands of dealing with that. But I always felt that God gave me a platform for sharing my faith. So, for example, as the head of TSA, I visited over 100 airports and where TSA employees were and would hold town halls. And in virtually all of those, most of those, I was actually able to share my testimony in a way that was simply about, well, who's this new administrator? Who's the new head of this 60-person, 60, 60,000-person organization? And people say, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. And All right. So, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> I could do that. And so I would do that. And, of course, uh, afterwards, either somebody would come up or send me an email or something just saying, hey, thank you for your witness. And what I'd like to share with your, your listeners, uh, unsolicited, is that there are a number of Christ followers in, yes. in not only senior government positions but in the rank and file throughout who are, are there because they, they have a sense of calling also. And there's a, there is such a great cloud of witnesses, people working together uh, to do good things on behalf of the American people. And that said, Colleen, mm-hmm. you are no longer at the TSA. Mm-hmm. You're now the president of Amherst University, which is celebrating its 100th year. It's your yes. alma mater. Right. But wait a minute. Big, big change up mm. from the highest echelons of power and uh, and sobering access to information and, and presidents and all the rest mm. to a campus that has green grass and stately trees and mm. Georgian architecture 
outside of Indianapolis in the heartland. I mean, mm, it's great a, faculty and staff. I mean, there's yeah. wonderful there's, students. And there's alum, <laughs> and, yeah, there's right. a lot to speak for it, but Absolutely. still, it's a huge change up, John. It, it has How been, did you yeah. get from there to here? And I know you've shared this story with some people back in D.C. who th- are asking you, are you sure this is what you want? And you yeah. say, yeah, I think I'm called to this. What does that mean? Yeah, so it's, it's again, um, being open to the possibilities that God has. And I've always uh, approached my faith as uh, faith walk as being that there is a general will of God basically to do what the Bible says in Micah 6, 8, to do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And then sometimes there's the specific will of God to say, I want you in this position. And so in those pivotal uh, moments, that I had that sense, it was that uh, process of discernment. So God, if this is what you want, help affirm that in ways that uh, make sense to me. So not some, some mystical thing, but just, yeah, I'm a practical guy, so what does that mean? And so for the going to Anderson University, it was a series of, of what some people would call coincidences, and I've heard some people say that's where God decides to remain anonymous, <laughs> but the coincidences were just unbelievable. It was providence. They were supernatural. They were God-ordained and, and provided. So my job, again, was to be open to that process. And in going through that process, I saw God at work in ways that I would not have seen if I'd stayed, which mm-hmm. I could have done. I, you were not I, under pressure I, to I leave. Was, no. And I actually, I, it may sound strange to your listeners, but I was actually enjoying. Uh, I felt like I was making yes. good progress sure. at TSA yes. after four years, four and a half years and all that. But what's exciting being at Anderson University now in our 100th year is looking forward to how we're building for our second century service and looking at real life transformed. And what does that mean? And we're offering new majors, for example. So this past year, we offered four new majors, one in national security, one in cybersecurity. I'm not sure how those came about, but I supported those. Somebody has some expertise. (laughs) So, uh, and then one in computer engineering, another in sport marketing. And then this year, um, we are offering a new complementary major in Christian spiritual formation. What does it mean to go deeper in your faith for those who want to explore what does it mean to be a Christ follower as a businesswoman or mm-hmm. as a teacher or a nurse or even as an FBI agent or even as a head of a government agency? So th- I'm excited by that. And then we're, we have an overall campus initiative, Christian Spiritual Transformation. What does it mean to be transformed into the likeness of Christ? And simply meaning, how can I be the best person that God's created me to be? Mm-hmm. Okay, somebody's listening to us today and they're going... I'm not sure I'm getting it. Mm. What would you say to the person listening today who's at a point in their life where they're not sure they're doing what they should be doing, or maybe they feel like I'm just floating along? Mm. What should they do to hear, to experience a kind of calling that you've mm. described? What would you say? Yeah, so it's, I think the calling is, is uh, unique to each person. And uh, one thing I would suggest is, is they either email or, or call in to your, to your show and, and ask that because you've got resources that people can deal Talk with Talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody. Um, you know, if you're not part of a local congregation, find a good uh, teaching, preaching congregation. And I would strongly encourage people to get involved in small group uh, studies in a local church, because that's where I think a lot of spiritual transformation actually takes place. You can go, unfortunately, you can go into a, a large a mega church and sit in worship and almost be anonymous, and then walk out and say, well, I didn't get anything out of that. But it's really, I think, in, in small groups, and that's something we're emphasizing on campus even more so, 
um, is how can I learn about what this calling might be? And one thing I would say is you have to be open to it. So it's mm. if you say, I want to know God's will, but if you're not open to it... You better be ready for that, anything. Yeah, and that's why I say if, if you are truly open to God's will, then boy, buckle up because... You, you just I always never said, know. I'm going to hang on to God's yeah. coattails. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. You know, Stephen Curtis Chapman, who's coming to campus uh, in October. An alum. An yes. alum, but he talks about the, the great adventure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is a great adventure. So to your point, I have done things in my career I never dreamed of doing. And I think, large, well, it's because of God's opening door, God opening doors, but it's being open to the possibility of God working in my life, individual, my life, mm. not somebody else's, but my life. And, and God calls each and every one of us to be in relationship with him through Jesus Christ and to be active in that person's life to make a difference for others. Not so I can pound my chest and say, hey, I'm a great guy. Look at all the great right. things I've done. What, what can you do for Christ in the kingdom? You're speaking about a process of yeah. transformation and yeah. surrender. And uh, wherever you are in your life today, you might be wondering, is there a calling for me? Maybe you may think you're insignificant, or maybe you think that you don't really have much opportunity, or maybe you imagine that you've made so many mistakes that you're not worthy of a calling. I'm here to tell you, God knows exactly who you are, where you are, and he has a purpose and it's good for you. And he wants you to come alongside Maybe better said, he wants to come alongside you and help you realize your calling. Just as John Pistol has found his life filled with adventure and opportunity, so can yours be. The Lord has a plan and a purpose for you. How to get there? Start right now by praying with us. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know us by name and that you're willing to transform us and renew us. We do, Lord, make a decision to surrender our lives to you to give our whole selves from head to toe, inside and out, everything that we have and everything that we are, Lord, because we know that when we manage it by ourselves, it can never be right. But when we surrender our lives to you, it turns out right. We pray, Lord, that you will speak into our lives and into the journey of every person who is in prayer with us just now. And before one week passes, may they know that their heart cry for calling, for purpose and direction will be answered. Open up doors, open up perspectives, open up eyes and ears. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Want to know more? Give us a call. We have a 24-hour telephone line that is toll-free. A member of our Viewpoint Ministry team is always ready by the phone to hear from you. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We'd be so glad to hear your heart, to share with you in prayer, to receive your comments, but give us a call. JJ, I know some people would prefer not to call, though. First stab, they want to just kind of check it out online. Sure. Where would they go? They can find us at cbhviewpoint.org. You can read there all about the Viewpoint Ministry, and you can send us an email, and we will reply. Exactly. And if you prefer, you can just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, or use the post, please let us hear from you this week. Oh, and if you would like to have a link and more information about Anderson University, the great school that we have just talked about today, and it's President John Pistol, hey, reach out to us. We'll build that bridge. Absolutely. Amen. 
John Pistol, thanks for sharing your story with us. So yeah, proud to know you. Thank you. And JJ, always glad to see you. Thank you. Hey, and you know, I'm so glad you went to AU, Anderson Me University. Me too. It's all good. God worked it all out. And we are thankful that you tuned in to be a part of our Viewpoint audience today. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries in Anderson, Indiana, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.